This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we enter now into the Easter season. We meditate upon these wonderful stories from the Gospels. They're about the ways that the risen Christ interacts with his church. Yes, 2,000 years ago, but also today. These are all our stories. It's very important that we move into the dynamics of these great accounts. The one today is from the Gospel of John. It is, we hear, the evening of that first day of the week. It's Resurrection Day. It's the day of the new creation. John's Gospel harkens back often to the beginning of the book of Genesis. In the beginning was the word, John says. Well, that echoes the Bereshit, the in the beginning with which the Bible begins. Well, here now he's saying on this first day, it's a day of a new creation, Resurrection Day. But the disciples haven't yet grasped the meaning of this novelty because they're still living in fear. It says the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. Now, a pretty understandable fear. Jesus, their leader, has just been crucified. The most frightening death someone could die. Of course they were afraid the same fate might be awaiting them. Well, the disciples locked away in the upper room are evocative of all of us down through the ages. Afraid, isolated, defensive, conditioned at every turn by the fear of death. See, think of that upper room. That's where all of us live much of the time. Hemmed in by death. The fear of death broods over us, keeps us locked into our own egos. But, Despite the locked doors, Jesus came and stood in their midst. What an important little line that is. So much is packed into it. The risen Jesus is an embodied presence. All the Gospels insist upon that. But he lives at a new pitch of existence. Beyond the limitations of space and time and death, He is humanity, yes, indeed, embodied humanity, but at a qualitatively new level. Pope Benedict, in his recent book, had a wonderful phrase. He said, the resurrection is like a great evolutionary leap forward, humanity having come to a new pitch of perfection. And that's why this same risen Christ is able to stand in the midst of his followers up and down the ages. Wherever two or three are gathered my name, there am I in the midst of them. Well, that's the rule that governs the liturgy for the past 2,000 years. And don't we acknowledge it by the way. 
when the priest says at Mass, the Lord be with you. Now we say, and also with you. In a few months, we're going to say, and with your spirit. What we're acknowledging there is the presence of the risen Christ among us. So again, this story is about us. He stands in our midst. And here's the word he speaks. Peace be with you. Shalom. The great Hebrew word that sums up, in many ways, the whole of the Bible. That's what God wants. Shalom is the quality of the Sabbath. It's the peace that God wants to give us. And this peace, shalom, communicated by the risen Christ, is the peace that the world cannot give. Why? Because worldly peace is always a passing, evanescent business. One moment of peace followed by a moment of anxiety. One moment of peace followed by a moment of war. You know, people describe peace in the worldly sense as just the pause between conflicts. Isn't it true, too, that precisely when we feel most at peace, that's when we begin to worry about losing peace? Jesus gives us a peace beyond the fear of death. This is the shalom by which all the saints live. It's why there's that wonderful carefree quality about the saints. And I mean saints who all experience the vagaries of life. They all do. But yet in the midst of it, there is this peace that the world cannot give, the peace beyond all understanding, the peace that comes from the conquest of the fear of death. That's what Christ brings. When he had said this, John tells us, he showed them his hands and his side. Why the showing of the wounds? Well, in some ways, the whole drama of Christianity is on display at that moment. Because the peace that Jesus gives is not around death, but rather through it. He's conquered death by going through it to the other side. He's walked the path of radical love, and that is always a painful path. You don't go around pain to get to the peace that Christ brings. You go through it. You don't go around death to come to this peace. You go through it. It's the way of love. Greater love hath no man than to give his life for his friends. Well, that's the love that Jesus showed. Something else, the showing of the wounds is also a manifestation of the sins of the world. The author of life came and we killed him. St. Peter put it that bluntly. God himself came among us and our reaction was to put him to death. That means his wounds are the greatest sign of our dysfunction, that all is not well with us. I am not okay, and neither are you. It's the wounds of Jesus that remind us of this. Having showed his wounds, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. There's the biblical difference. 
No one in the Bible is ever given a vision or experience of God without being, at the same time, sent on mission. No exception, none, Old Testament or new. So go back to Abraham, go to Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of them experience God and are therefore sent. So the Father sent the Son into the world on a mission of love. God so loved the world, he sent his only Son that we might find eternal life in his name. And so now, all the followers of the Son are commissioned to be bearers of the divine life to the world. There it is, friends. That's the universal call to holiness of which Vatican II spoke. The call to holiness is always some form of you become holy in the measure that you make other people holy. You become holy in the measure that you find your mission. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Every Christian in his or her heart hears those words. Every time you go to Mass, you hear that. The Mass is ended. Go in peace now to love and serve the Lord. Then John tells us, he gave them the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. God, there's so much power in that line. Again, a rather delicious overtone of Genesis. Remember in the great story of creation, we hear that God the Creator breathed life into these little, almost like clay figurines who become the first human beings. He breathed life into them. Now the Son of God, the risen Christ, breathes the spiritual life into us. The life that was lost through sin is now regained through Christ. He breathes on us. That's the Ruach Yahweh in the Old Testament, the breath of the Lord, life-giving power. And, of course, Holy Spirit, Spiritus Sanctus, that's all that means. Spiritus means wind or breath in Latin. The holy breath. What is it? The life breathed out between the Father and the Son. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. They breathe out their love to each other. That's the Holy Spirit. What Christ gives us is precisely a share in that divine life which we lost through sin. Every time you come to Mass, what you're receiving is the divine life. Every time you participate in one of the sacraments, you receive the divine life. Every time you hear the words, your sins are forgiven, you receive the divine life. Everyone confirmed receives the divine life. Everyone who receives the sacrament of the anointing of the sick receives the divine life. We hear, too, that the Ruach Yahweh, this breath of the Lord that Jesus gives them, is a power to forgive sins. How important that is. Jesus breathes now into the church. The disciples symbolize the church here. The power to forgive sins, because sin is what separates us from the divine life, what kills the divine life in us. And therefore, the Ruach Yahweh, the breath of the Lord, is what's given to the church. 
You see what we have here in this story? Beautiful, isn't it? It's a magnificent vision of what the church looks like under the influence of the risen Christ. Peaceful, unafraid, evangelizing, and forgiving. There's the church's mission up and down the ages. It comes from Jesus standing in the midst of his people. And now, with all that in mind, we're meant to see a kind of contrast with the figure of the doubting Thomas. We hear, of course, Thomas was not with the apostolic band. When he hears their story, he's skeptical. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. John never misses the opportunity to reference the book of Genesis. What was the original sin but an act of grasping? They grasp the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They want to have the divine life as their own. See, but you can't have it that way. You can only have it on the fly. As you receive it, you give it. You can't seize the divine life. That's the trouble here with Thomas. Notice, please, he's outside of the apostolic band. That's why he doesn't get Jesus. See, outside the church, we're not going to grasp him fully. But then, then, when he returns, he joins the apostolic band. The Lord returns, and this time Thomas sees and believes and gives voice to the most impressive confession of faith in the whole Bible. My Lord and my God, he says to Jesus. But then Jesus says to him, You've come to believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Why are they blessed? Because they did not try to manipulate the divine life. They didn't try to grasp it, control it, have it. They allowed it to be breathed into them, and then they gave it away as a gift. Friends, this beautiful story is about us. It's all about Jesus' life in the church now. Read it as your own story. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers. Every day, everywhere.